Holy Gospel is written in the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thine eyes, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Here we are in the first week of Lent, and perhaps the greatest and most radical claim of Christianity is that Jesus Christ offers to live his human life all over again in us. Today, in our own individual circumstances, in the midst of the situations that we daily face. And if we look deeply enough, we can see that concept put to the severest test in Matthew's account of the temptation that we have just heard. Jesus goes out into the wilderness, driven of the Spirit. He was tempted as a human being. Therefore, his temptations are our temptations. That is why this account can be so gripping, so utterly practical for us, because these are exactly the form of temptations we are facing ourselves, all of us, continually, day by day. If we can discover the secret of how Jesus met with temptation, we shall know better how to meet temptation in our own lives. Now, temptation does not come to us because we are sinners. There is no sin in being tempted. Indeed, even in our being admitted sinners does not add anything to the force or frequency of our being tempted. Temptation comes to us because we are human beings. And Jesus felt the full force of it simply because he became man. It is our very humanity that makes us subject to all the power of temptation. 
Notice that twice the devil said to Jesus, if thou be the son of God. That if should not imply any doubt. The if here has the same force of the word because. Because you are the son of God, why not do this or do that? The temptation of the devil here is to get the Lord Jesus to move away from the principle of dependence and trust in God the Father. This is the thrust of temptation with us as well. The devil attempts to get us to act on our own and not to trust in God. That is the usual nature of temptation. Also notice Jesus was taken into a wilderness. Now wilderness can greatly vary in nature. It may not always be desert, but may well be a place of scant resources and a place of solitude. Typically the sort of place harmats have always gone, attempting to escape the world. A place where one can gather thoughts without distraction. And I suppose we can easily think of the city of London here as a greater place of temptation. If you want to put a young man or woman under pressure, send them to the city of London. Here they will be exposed to the full power and allurement of evil, so we could say. To experience the full force of our very human temptation, Jesus was driven into a solitary wilderness where nothing outside could allure him. And there he could show us temptation comes wholly from within. And we, like Jesus, may seek to find relief from temptation in quiet places. But of course, we cannot escape from ourselves. It is not outside forces that create temptation or the external circumstances or situations. Temptation arises from within us. This strikes at a very common misconception we all have. We like to think our failures are due to outward pressures. But Jesus says it is not our circumstances that give rise to temptation, but a weakness within, some allurement to which we decide to yield. Jesus said it is not what goes into a man, but what comes from within that defiles him. Now let's quickly look at those temptations. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus had been going without food for 40 days and 40 nights. He was extremely hungry, he was starving. This temptation arose out of a normal, natural, physical need of being human. What the devil really was saying to Jesus was, look, if you were really the son of God, would your father want to leave you in a wilderness without food for 40 days and 40 nights? Surely if he loves you, he would make some way of providing for your needs to be met. So why don't you use your own power and turn some stones into bread? After all, you are the son of God. The subtle pressure here is to act upon his own initiative and for himself independent of the father. That preservation of his own human life and his own comfort is important. The devil's attempt is to make the physical life the most important thing of all. The devil's work is always to twist and distort things and make them look different than they are, and particularly to twist our perspective so that we see life out of proportion. But our Lord immediately returns to the proper perspective of life, puts things back on the right basis, in focus, by quoting this word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. That is, the deepest, need of, the deepest need, it is better to die of hunger in a wilderness in a right relationship to the God who made us than to satisfy it at the cost of that relationship. 
With that thrust, he ended the first temptation, putting life back into focus, reminding us that we have deeper needs than the physical, and that our temporary lack does not in any way indicate that the God who made us has forgotten us or is unconcerned. The first temptation is always on the level of the physical. Now we look at the second temptation, which is on the level of the soul. The devil took Jesus into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Then the devil pulls out his trump card. For it is written, he will give his angels charge of you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So the devil now tries a different tack. If you really want to show how much you trust God, put yourself in a place of danger. Cast yourself from the pinnacle of the temple, and by that everyone will see that your trust in God is so implicit that you dare put yourself in a dangerous circumstance. Now we see what a powerful, subtle temptation that was. The temptation is all the more subtle and powerful, of course, when he bolsters it with scripture. Here he quotes Psalm 91, the angels will bear you up in their hands. There have been many arguments over the years based upon that claim. The Bible says this or says that. You can justify many things by quoting the Bible, particularly if you choose to read the Bible the way the devil does. One of the most common misconceptions as Christians is the idea that the greatest display of faith requires some spectacular demonstration. I well remember as a youngster the Billy Graham Crusades in the 1960s, huge rallies where many were motivated to come forward by the compelling rhetoric. But Jesus puts life back in perspective when he reveals the church, the truth. He said, again it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The greatest display of faith is not in some great and memorable mass event, but in the quiet trust of the heart that rests upon what God has said. And not just what he said in one place, but a balanced truth based on hopefully the study of scripture. Now look at the third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Now the devil moves into the essential key part of the human life, the realm of the spirit. Now he comes up with a naked appeal to the deepest desire in the heart of mankind, placed there by God, that his life might be worthwhile, that he might make an unforgettable mark in this world. Who doesn't want his life to be worthwhile? Who does not fear wasting his life, or to live in such a meaningless way that when he is gone, he is soon forgotten? That is simply basic to our humanity. And the devil quickly picks this up in some wonderful way, showing him from a vantage point all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, showing all that has attracted human hearts, causing men to sometimes leave their families and possessions in order to win the power and authority of such kingdoms. And the devil said to him, you can have all this if you will fall down and worship me. Surely these kingdoms were exactly what Jesus Christ had come to earth to get. 
He came in order to win the world, that he might be Lord of all, that he might be exalted as man to the highest position in the universe, that every tongue should confess and every knee should bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Isn't that exactly why he came? And now the devil is offering it to him, but Jesus immediately sees through it and his reply is almost contemptuous. Be gone, Satan, get thee behind me. For the truth is that you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Only God can give the value to life that you are suggesting. The kingdoms and glory of the world will never give it. So our Lord meets these three temptations on the level of the physical, the soul, and the spirit. And each time he used the same weapon. He retreats immediately behind the word of God. He didn't argue, he didn't debate. He took refuge in the word, in utter dependence upon the fact that God had spoken. The minute he did so, the battle ceased. The moment Satan was confronted with the word of God and saw Jesus was taking refuge upon the written statement of God, there was no longer any internal struggle. And perhaps our own continuing struggle because we are so, is because we are reluctant to take our stand on God's revelation. Only when we retreat to what God says is the truth about it can we discover an end to the struggle. The way to confront temptation is not with our weak, failing humanity, but with the power of the word of God himself. Amen.